This is this is fine. 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 This is a poor substitute for therapy, but an excellent substitute for other podcasts. We're not like other podcasts. Join us as we find the answers to the universe's biggest questions like is butter a carb? Does crying burn calories? And what the fuck am I doing with my life? We're here to be your part-time therapist, astrologer, concierge doctor, and fairy godmother. Do you need someone to validate you today? Cool, cool, cool. Come on in. We're fine. This is fine. Bienvenue, mes amis. Welcome back to This Is Fine. This is your captain speaking, Dominique. And today, we're setting sail back into some waters we've visited once before. The world of traditional Chinese medicine. Licensed acupuncturist, herbalist, face reader, and all-around holistic queen, Sarah Sass, founder of Beauty Point by Point in La Jolla, is here with us today in the studio. Today, we're getting into tinctures and herbs. In TCM, this is known as herbology. And no, this is not just a course at Hogwarts. You may be seeing herbal remedies on social media platforms and wellness websites, tinctures that promise to balance your hormones, cure headaches, boost your immune system, and aid your digestion. These are becoming more and more popular thanks to TCM becoming more mainstream. However, it's important to understand the foundations of these herbs, how they work, what they're used for, the context in which they work. You get it. That's why we brought in the expert today to review the fundamentals. I don't want to call it herbology for dummies because obviously you guys aren't dumb, and I guess I'm not either, (laughs) but we're going to break it down into something that all of us can process regardless of how familiar we are or aren't with traditional Chinese medicine. All right, are you ready for your first herbology class? We're taking a brief little health and wellness seminar today, courtesy of Sarah and her decades of education. Welcome back, Sarah. Hi. So as you know, we start off every episode with the same question. Are you fine today? (laughs) And you can be honest or not. You can keep it to yourself. This is your right. I'm semi-fine. Semi-fine. Okay. It's a full moon and we're also switching from the rabbit month into the dragon month. And actually April 4th was when we were shifting into this rabbit energy. Okay. And you know how it was so windy on Monday? Oh my God, yeah. It blew all my like cushions in my yard everywhere. Well, wind can stir things up. Uh And I do feel the last 24 (laughs) hours, things have definitely been stirred up. Yeah. Okay. This makes sense in my own personal life context too. So um, if you're listening to this, it's a couple weeks after. But have you felt some stuff stirred up? (laughs) For sure. For sure. <laughs> exactly. Well, semi-fine is okay. Are you feeling... Let's take a nice deep breath together and everyone listening can do it with us. Okay, inhale. <sighs> that feels so good. <laughs> yes. We're here. We're Thank grounding you. in our space right now and you can do that with us. If you're feeling semi-fine, if you're feeling chaotic, take another breath. You're here with us now. You're safe. We're home. And we're going to talk about something really fun today, something that I have also been learning from Sarah off mic and from my girlies who are in traditional Chinese medicine school. Hello, Melanie and Lexi. So let's start them off, Sarah. Let's give them the general description of herbology because for some listeners, this might be the first time that they have heard that word outside of reading Harry Potter. But it's real. It's not just like the magic arts. (laughs) But there is magic. There is magic. It's real arts, world magic, it, not just from the, the wizard, not just from the wizarding yeah. world. <laughs> herbs are basically food. I mean, herbology yes. is basically the study in medicine of herbs. Okay. <laughs> and magic, it's like real world magic. I'm going to quote one of my favorite teachers regarding herbology. 
Okay. It's from his book, Lonnie Jarrett, but um, it's uh, the quote is actually Shen Nong Ben Sao. And this is a Taoist oh. herbalist <laughs> okay. as well yeah. as a Taoist um, practitioner in medicine. So herbology, we can talk about it as it's a lower class of medicines govern the treatment of illness and correspond to earth. If one r- wishes to remove cold, heat, and other evil influences from the body to break accumulations and to cure illnesses, one could sh- one should base one's efforts on drugs listed in the lower class of this manual. So the drugs would be the herbs. Wow. Okay. So herbs can treat— <laughs> Herbs are drugs. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- there is some history. Right. Did you know that. A lot of history, millennia of history, right? Regarding—I mean, I was a paramedic before I did this, so I right. took pharmacology, and I'll never forget that we talked about— the origins of pharmacology is from actually herbs because so they, cool. I mean, the history is from the foxglove um, herb that actually is linked to the first uh, medicinal for um, cardiac, which is digitalis. Wow, that's so crazy! I have never heard someone talk about foxglove, and that was the street I lived on for oh, like really? all of high school. Oh my god! So foxglove is the original herb. It was the one that was aligned with pharmacology to start the study of medicines. Wow. And so I just never forgot that. And that was like before I even knew I was going to be an acupuncturist and herbalist. That's amazing. I literally just came from an uh, ancient pharmacy. They literally call it an ancient pharmacy in Parma. And it's been maintained since I want to say the 1500s. Yep. So cool to see like it's like an apothecary, right? Mm-hmm. So all of the jars and everything and the sink and I don't know. I just, it felt like I was in a time capsule. I mean, I was in a time capsule, but it's so cool to see the origin of medicine. And I feel like without getting into like a rant about big pharma, we've come a really, 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 really long way from the origin, but the original stuff still works. And that's kind of the crux of herbology, right? Right. I mean, even in Paleolithic times, like from 5,000 years ago, they actually have pictures and writings of them using twigs and leaves and things like that to help with in the stories that they saw yeah. to help heal them or, you know, be yeah. prevention of disease. Um, so then let's talk about, so there's different classes. There's actually, right. there's the different classes from a, we talked about the lower class, which is going to treat more the physical body. Okay. Then we have the middle class of medicinals govern the nourishment of one's nature and correspondent to man. If one wishes to prevent illness and to supplement depletions and emaciations, one should use these. So it's kind of coming into the next level. So we can treat the gross body where we're just treating like the conditions and like, you know, a broken bone or yeah. say you have some sort of accumulation in your on your ovary or, yeah. or you're having some digestive issue. But then we're going to the middle class, which is going to correspond to the physiological, but maybe bring them more into the mental health and the spirit aspect. Cool. Yes, like a transition stage. <laughs> right. So... When it comes to Chinese medicine, there's always the physical piece, but then there's the mental, emotional, and spiritual piece. And it's all connected. Correct. So that's kind of what the middle class is bringing you up to the next level. Cool. But then Then. we have the upper class of medicines, and this governs the nourishment of destiny and correspond to heaven. If one wishes to prolong the years of life without aging, one should use these. Wow. So it's spiritual, but it's also longevity. Right. And ironically, too, look, we can use the lower class of medicinals, and it can prevent disease as well as help with your longevity. Okay. As well as support your health and wellness. Cool. Um, And over time— Obviously, it would help your longevity into like the higher level of medicines. Yeah. Um, one, when I talk about this, you can think of reishi mushroom as okay. one of those herbs that are the higher class, the upper class medicine. Right. Okay. So technically, reishi is, like you said, a mushroom and not necessarily like an 
herb the way we think of like dill, thyme, like in herbs. No, it is. And, yeah, it is. So it's classified. I'm saying just uh, to clarify, like even though it's a slightly different kind of plant, like it's a mushroom is a fungus. Oh, mushroom is a fungus versus yes. yeah, right. Um, it still is categorized within TCM as an herb. Yes, and there are a lot of those, right? There are a lot of mushrooms that fall into herbology. For sure. And let's talk about herbs that are food. Yeah. So just know any herb that is actually categorized as a food, it has a better assimilation as well as function in your body. Wow. Yes. So when I put fresh dill onto my toast, does Mm -hmm. that have some kind of functionality? Yes, it does. Um, I believe it would be in the spicy acrid um, category. Interesting. I can't remember if dill is in. I'm a Chinese herbalist, so right, there's yes. so many different. <laughs> I'm just like, what forms about my kitchen? <laughs> of, there's Western herbology and there's Eastern herbology, and so we have. Oh, this is good context. Yes, so we have in Eastern herbology, we also have Ayurvedic. Right, but they cross over. Yeah. They totally like a cross diagram. over. Like, okay, let's talk about. Turmeric. Yes. Well, turmeric, we know, is used for a lot of things like inflammation mm-hmm. and pain. In Chinese medicine, it's actually in the category move blood, invigorate oh, blood. Interesting. And so that's why we use it for pain as well. Cool. And a lot of these will cross over in the Western and Eastern in the same category. Right. Um, Just a different lens. Right, exactly. Yeah. How cool. So now we know a little bit about the context of herbology. How does it differ from like the use of supplements or homeopathy? Because these are two other categories that are similar but different, and I feel like people might get confused. They're like, oh, yeah, I have, like, Arnica pellets, which would technically be homeopathy, correct? So let's talk about supplements. Yeah, let's start with supplements. So a supplement just defines as something that is added to something in order to make it complete. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so herbs can be a supplement. <laughs> okay, so a supplement is like an umbrella. But I'm thinking, like, okay, what's the difference between using like the herbs you prescribe me, right? Versus Mm -hmm. going to CVS and buying like vitamin C or melatonin. I know there are also herbs that you have given me to help with sleep and relaxation. Okay, They are approaching the same problem from a different angle, right? Correct. Would that be the basic difference? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, basically. I mean, they remember it's a supplement, so it's something that's adding to make something whole. So the question is, but herbology is not just something you go to CVS and buy right. one thing. Exactly. You know, herbology, that's part of why it's gotten some kind of bad press is people don't understand that you just don't take one herb. The study of um, herbology is usually a combination of herbs right. together. It's a recipe. And that's what that's what allows you to have a better result okay. as well as this is how people may misuse herbs because ah. they're only using one and one usually isn't as effective as when there's a combination of a few because okay. they're synergistic with each other and they enhance and they have like medicine horses that will take one, say like licorice root um, actually is a medicine horse to bring things up to the head. Whoa, wait, I'm sorry. You just said medicine horse? <laughs> yes, a medicine horse in herbology is a form of a, like a medicine horse. So it's going to like move it to a specific part of the body. Okay, cool. It's yeah. like an activator, like uh, transporter. Yeah. <laughs> Good word. Yeah, okay. exactly. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so the supplement can be a broader category, but if we're thinking about the supplements that maybe our listeners are going to like 
a pharmacy yeah. to go buy. Yeah. That's different. That's like extracted from something. It's an isolated compound versus an herb. It might try yes. to be getting to the same end result, but it's a different approach completely. So now let's look at the difference between herbology and homeopathy. And I know that's kind of a, a tougher one to get into. So it's okay if you want to like, she has a giant herbology textbook in front of us. It's like the size of like an enormous Catholic it's Bible. Like, <laughs> oh my God. It's like the the Bible of herbs. I mean, yeah, I, really? I've, been, I've been in Chinese medicine a long time, so I'm sure there's a new revised edition, but it's No, by, that book is gorgeous, and the color is beautiful, and it just feels honestly very magic. It's very magical. <laughs> but back to homeopathy, you know, yeah. I have to be honest, like I've been in practice for over 20 years, but that's never been my strong suit. It's never something I ever— um, Well, it's a totally different category. Yeah. It would be like if you were an OBGYN, like you'd be like, well, I'm not a cardiologist. Like It's just a different field. Right. So homeopathy, homeopathy is, it's basically, its claim is the body can cure itself by using tiny amounts of natural substances like plants and minerals. Basically, the basic belief is like cures like. Ah, interesting. So something that brings on symptoms in a healthy person, homeopathy will use that health trigger in a very small microdose oh, to treat the illness. It's like a vaccine. In a way, yeah. This yeah. is meant to trigger the body's natural defense to heal the condition. Okay. So again... It might be using similar components. It has a similar goal, but it's using a different way of getting there. Right, and it's super micro, I mean... Microdose. <laughs> major microdose. Versus something with herbs is going to be a little bit stronger. Well, it's interesting because, you know, you can use, kind of back to what we were talking about, the lower class medicinals yeah. in the sense, herbs can also be used in microdosing. It sounds like we're microdosing. Like <laughs> mushrooms. We but, could be. <laughs> Totally. That's a totally way to like microdose an herb. But, um, I love where you're going with this. But anyway, no, it's fascinating because yeah. think about what microdosing is known for. It actually treats depression, PTSD, anxiety. anxiety. Well, herbs, when you use them in microdoses, especially when it's a formula. Ah, uh, which tends, is a, a custom formula, correct? This correct. It's not something you're DIYing. Um, it's interesting. There's going to be custom formulas. There are, but there there are standard formulas that are made, right? And those are the ones you're probably seeing on Amazon that are made in like pill yeah, forms and such. Totally. But what I wanted to say was using herbs, especially a formula, in microdoses tends to treat the psycho-emotional mental condition. Okay. Where a regular dose treats more the physiological. Interesting. So, so do a you little goes a long way for the brain, but if you need to get more into your body, you go full send. Right. But okay. can we see also the bridge, how the microdosing of psychedelics or things like that can oh, also treat okay. mental, emotional, spiritual conditions? Right. Yeah. Where same deal, if you're using Chinese Chinese herbology in a formula or, or Ayurvedic in a formula right. or even Western in a formula, you'll have that same effect. Interesting. I love yeah. this. Okay, cool. So this is a really good context. We've like kind of differentiated it from things that might confuse some of the listeners. So let's talk about, and obviously I know this now from personal experience of like working with you and getting treatments, how herbology is used within the scope of TCM, like with acupuncture on its own, either or. I know it varies based on the patient and, yeah. you know, the treatment program. So it's very nuanced, but I would love to hear just like a debrief of how this fits into the whole uh, scope of treatment. So let's begin with being an acupuncturist in the state of California. Okay, yeah, good clarification. <laughs> um, in the state of California, as a licensed acupuncturist, you're also a licensed licensed herbalist. Yes. So that means you have longer training. In other states, you can just be a licensed acupuncturist. Oh, wow. Or you can be a licensed herbal herbalist. In China, it's okay. completely separate. 
Wow. You're either an amazing acupuncturist or, ama- or an amazing herbalist. Okay. So that being said, it's in they do work together, mm-hmm. um, but you can treat just with acupuncture, mm-hmm. and you can just treat just with herbology. Or you can mix. Or you do the synergistic effect. So yeah. what I've always learned from being in this practice is acupuncture treats the chi in the energy, herbology treats the substance and the fluids. Okay. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah, this is still new for me too. So I'm learning. That's okay. It's about listener. yin and yang. Yeah. The I would. I mean, it still treats yin doing acupuncture, but right. really the herbs are what treat yin, which okay. is the physiological, which is the deeper aspect of the, the body. Earth, like the the, the substance yeah. treats substance. Okay. Substance treats substance, and then like the yang would be the chi treating the chi, like the energetic cool. of the the acupuncture itself yeah. is going to treat. The, the yang and the chi in the body, whereas the herbs are more yin, going to treat more of the yin in the body. That okay. doesn't mean you can't take herbs that treat yang, okay? I, I want to make right. sure we're very of clear course. about this. Yeah. This is just like a generalized way to kind of look at it. Herbs treat substance, acupuncture treats energy. Okay, cool. Does that make yeah. sense? No, totally. I'm, I'm processing it like you stab like yang. <laughs> you take like ni- nice plants like yin. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, because thing it's earth. Yeah. And that, what is earth? That makes sense to me. Earth it's, is it's yin. yin. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, and we we will get into that more in a separate episode. We're going to get all into the elements that is coming soon. So hang tight for more with Sarah on that one. So back into herbs. We're using this either with acupuncture or on its own. Mm -hmm. So within the scope, it is its own category, and it can support other parts of TCM, but it's also standalone. Correct, but you're doing the same exact exact diagnostics for herbology. If if even you need even more. Interesting, okay. That's because you have to take the pulse, and you must look at the tongue, because the herbs, like we have to know, can the body handle like a strong cloying herb that might be very strong to um, supplement the blood, but just know those herbs are going to be quite cloying and heavy. Okay. If we look at your tongue, we're going to know that, hey, you know what? Maybe their digestion isn't strong enough to digest this herb. Okay. So we get to build that before we get to that herb. That's very true. Okay. Um, so it's so important. Same diagnostic tools. You have to take pulse. You have to look at tongue. I would definitely consider palpating the abdomen okay. before taking a herbal- getting an herbology um, uh, constitutional treatment. And you're talking to the patient. You're, you're yes. getting like an intake kind of diagnostic, just of qualitative. Yeah. So I would say it's even more extensive when you're going to be um, prescribing herbs. Okay. Also, herbs in general, they're like food. Everybody yeah. assimilates and digests them differently. So Great point. You may have one person who can actually handle a very strong dose where somebody else who can't. Right. Yeah. I think like just thinking and learning through my own experience, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. A little goes a long way for me most of the time Mm, with the herbs that we've been working with and just things I've tried in the past, like usually a little bit, like I notice very quick changes and that's the same in other areas. Like, I don't know, I can smell a margarita and be drunk. Like, wow. <laughs> it's that, like a little goes a long way in a lot of areas and it makes it's sense. So it's like, nature. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like maybe, maybe that's an indicator for someone. Like if they are on the more sensitive digestion side or they're more sensitive to substance, they might, I guess, have a little bit of a, a preview of how these herbs might work, but I guess it would be different based on what you're treating, what kind of herb it is. True. Dosing is really the key. And when you find the right formula for somebody, it's like the baby Jesus treatment. (laughs) Herbs can be tricky. Yeah. They really can. And let's talk about how herbs are actually created and made. So traditionally, 
We make them raw, okay. and it's a decoction. And then you actually yeah. take them home, and you have to cook them in a pot and bring it like the, bring them to a boil. And there's certain herbs you may have to separate and put one in last, or cook for thirty minutes first. I mean, it's a it's a qu- quite complex process. It's a potion. It's definitely it's a potion. That's exactly. So cool. Okay, so I I love that we got back to this point because I know that you have a little bit of an explainer about how these potions kind of came to be and how herbology came into the world, like the history. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Well, while I was doing my research, it's amazing to know that actually it was a bunch of women. Love, love this. <laughs> that were the shaman back in, what is it? I think it's 200 BC. Wow. That were the herbalists. That's and so they cool. would do incantations and, you know, like chanting. Yeah. But they would create magic with the medicine, which were, were was herbology. That's so cool. My mom was saying something, and I don't know if this is connected, about how pockets were taken out of dresses because the men didn't want the women to have, like, their potions, like, their their herbs and stuff in the pockets. Yeah. I don't—I need to, like, verify the validity of that, but it sounded accurate. <laughs> it's pretty—I I was like, OMG, of yeah. course women were around the cauldron. Yeah, and, like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Literally in ancient times, just, yeah. like, coming up with some cures. Yep. Honestly, it's so cool. So as I was sharing, we're talking about the cauldron of the herbs and we're like, you know, cooking them and then we have to separate them. And then you have this awful thing you have to drink. Yeah. So (laughs) through this process, I mean, I swear when I got out of school, I was like, I'm going to be an herbalist and make people drink this stuff. And then I went and saw it pretty famous acupuncturist herbalist in town and I was trying to drink that stuff and it was so so inconvenient. (laughs) So this is why we now make granules, powders, tinctures, pills, and guess what? Yeah, and capsules. The herbs are just as strong. You may have to take more of a dose and I think that's what happens with a lot of people. They think herbs are like a medication. You just take one and you're done. No. Herbs are like... um, antibiotics in the sense that the more you take them, the more they start working. It's cumulative. Correct. As well as you may need to be on a formula for like six months before it starts working. Okay. That's really good context because this isn't a take two and call me in the morning situation. (laughs) No. Herbs are definitely something you have to keep taking for a while if you're having a very chronic condition or even like an acute condition. You may need to take it for a month and you can't just take one dose a day. Right. And that's why so many people are like, why do you have to take three pills three yeah. times a day? It's because we need to get that dosage up because herbs are, are not as strong in the sense as a medication. Okay. So we need to up the dose Gradually. so it'll start having that um, efficacy. So let's say you prescribed something to a patient and you want them to take two morning, noon, and night, right, for a total of six. What happens if that patient takes all six in the morning? It's doable. I mean, I've done it, you know. <laughs> it, it it comes back to dosing, okay. you know, like, and I bring that up anytime I prescribe herbs to anybody. It's like, figure out your dosing. Like, I'm going to give you the standard dose. I tend to dose higher because everybody forgets one of their, their doses during the day. Totally. That makes sense. Yeah. So if they take all six, you might feel fine and you might feel amazing. Right. But it's actually better as I shared to kind of like have a dose in the morning and at night because it's this gradual Okay. It's hitting a different building okay. of it versus taking a high dose. And then having it taper. But but it depends on the condition case okay. by case. Guess what? For sleep, you may want to take your all your dose at night. Okay. And guess what? You'll like sleep through the night. Yep. Okay. That does make sense. So again it's Dose-dependent, it's condition-dependent, it's patient-dependent. Correct, exactly. Good to know. So we do have options that aren't just the tincture. 
Is there a benefit to taking a tincture over a granule or a capsule? Great question. Um, liquid's always best. Okay. Yeah. Even if it tastes gross, it's, I feel like that has always been kind of the vibe. Like you should take the tincture if you can take the tincture. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes it's an alcohol. The trick is if you don't want the alcohol is you put it in hot water for like five minutes and it'll evaporate the alcohol oh, out. cool. But yes, it's known that the, the liquid is actually easier assimilated. In into your, the body. Yes, into okay. your digestion. Into so digestion. one of the things that I do sometimes is I'll get like a really strong like juice or some kind of like tea or something and I'll put it in a shot glass. <laughs> Yeah, with the tincture and like throw it back and then chase it with a little more of that juice just because I try to like take the tincture, but oh, you're saying no, I shouldn't do that? No, herbs need to be completely virgin. Oh God, (laughs) okay. So if that's a total trick, I do that as well. So what I would suggest is put it in a shot glass with a little bit of water, have a water chaser Ah. and do it that way. It's best not to combine it because remember we talked about the medicine horse earlier? There's a potential that orange juice may be a medicine horse for something. Oh, right. Like the pomegranate got in the driver's seat and it went the wrong way. (laughs) Yeah, or it could be like an anter... What is it? There's the synergist... What is is it called when it's... The antagonist. Yeah. It it, It could be an antagonist. Right, okay. Good to know. Wow, I've been doing it wrong for a while. Sorry. I thought I was like hacking the system because I'm like, it doesn't taste as bad. You know, there's tricks, but... If you got to be a purist in the sense, it do, that doesn't mean it didn't work. So does that mean like if you're taking your capsules, you shouldn't take it with like a coffee or a juice? Yes. Wow. I would not have known and that. And it's always better to take herbs without food. But if you have an upset stomach, then you take it with food. Okay. And if you're doing like a morning, noon, and night, obviously there are going to be some meals in that time period, but you should take your morning pill on an empty stomach. It's suggested, yeah, anytime because we want the highest efficacy and the assimilation of the herbs. Okay. But if it bothers your stomach, then take it with food. Okay. And before meals is probably ideal versus after the meal, unless it's really upsetting your stomach. Exactly. And have some food in there. That might be a good idea. I like that. Yeah. Before meals, because then you get a little bit of the assimilation and then you, you know, start eating the food. And you might drink some water before you eat, which is actually a nice little like digestive hack as well. Because a lot of times when you feel really hungry, you're also a little bit thirsty. (laughs) Usually you're actually thirsty. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) As we both take a swig of water. (laughs) Okay, so we've gone through a lot of like the mechanics of it, like the mechanism, how to take it. I would love to get your take on... Like we sort of touched on this, DIY versus getting a very specific plan and diagnosis from a licensed herbalist slash acupuncturist or just licensed herbalist. Like this isn't, again, something you can just go buy at the drugstore or on Amazon. I guess maybe technically you could, but yeah, I'm getting ahead it's of myself. What are your frowned thoughts? Upon. Yeah, totally. This, look, we can bring up the Maha, the Mahuang, the ephedra situation. Okay. I mean, that's what happened. Tell us more. <laughs> so Ma Huang is ephedra. It's actually in the category that we use in Chinese medicine that releases the exterior. And what was it in the 90s? I only know that word from Mean Girls. <laughs> well, it acts as a CNS <laughs> stimulant. So right. it's like an amphetamine in a sense. And it's and, for weight loss, right? Right, yeah. because it actually induces sweating. Oh, so you're losing water Major weight. sweating. Okay. So that's what happened. People were misusing this herb. Got it. Wow. And that is what created it to become illegal. Holy shit. The misuse of something made it illegal. Right. So back to your... Interesting. That doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> so um, people buy, able to buy it on Amazon. I've just found out just the other day in my clinic, 
somebody said, oh, yeah, you can get these on Amazon now. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, Shutters. well, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I mean, yeah. I I will say there's some fairly safe formulas that are pretty straightforward and are like the basis of a lot of herbal formulas that treat them like, like an umbrella of things. Yeah. You know? I mean, but let's say you have a stomach ache and it's actually coming from a cold condition ah. and you decide to buy an herbal formula that's actually for... Like a damp condition or something? A cold condition. No, meaning you have a, a hot condition. So ah. like that's why ginger, everyone mm-hmm. thinks it's, it is a great herb. And yeah. actually it's one of those herbs that it's used, it's a food. So it's better assimilated. It's kind of, we use it to actually detoxify other herbs. It helps warm the middle. It helps mm-hmm. with your immune system. But guess what? If you have a stomach ache from a hot condition, which a lot of people do due to our diet, toxic foods, alcohol, right. Heavy um, metals stress, yeah. um, spicy foods, you're going to throw that ginger on top? You're putting gasoline on a fire. <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> so that's kind of what can happen when okay. you're buying formulas. And you're on, like self-diagnosing and self-prescribing. Yes. Okay. So... If you can, you know, go to an herbalist, get a proper diagnosis so you can get a better treatment plan so you have better results. Yes. And even if you can't, like, afford to keep going back, at least you've gone to someone, you've gone to an expert, and you have something that's laid out for you. Right. And that way you're not just, like, blind buying and, and again, throwing gasoline on a fire. Right. I mean, it's it's a—I don't want to say it's complicated, but it is. Yeah. It's definitely—it's complex. It's a very complex—it's an art and a science. Like, it's it's all of it. And it's magic, too. Yeah, it is magic. There's some magic in it. I can't do it on my own. I did not go to school for this, which is why I'm so interested in learning more about it. But we keep saying, like, you know, it's now more and more available. Like, TCM is becoming more mainstream, which is really exciting. Um, But there are these kind of tinctures, like, you know, popping up. And as you know, I found one called Elix, and they have, like, a general wellness, like, tincture blend, and then they have the hormone one. And it says it's custom. I don't know how custom necessarily, but I think I showed you the ingredients on that. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? versus, you know, going to an expert. Is that something you can do? It's okay if you don't have thoughts on this. I'm kind of putting no, you on the spot. No, I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, it's kind of back to what we were talking about. I mean, okay. it sounds like marketing and it, it doesn't, as I shared, there's some great standard formulas that treat menstrual regularity that can um, also regulate the hormones and are, are fairly safe. And when I looked at some of the, I don't want to like, that's what, yeah, it's not about the brand either. at all. Yeah. And I haven't even actually, like, I have to look at it again. Yeah. But I remember, oh, this is a standard formula for, for this menstrual regularity. Yeah, like, can't yeah. hurt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, but back to kind of just the kitchen sink method, like, right. oh, everybody can take this formula. I don't know if they can. Right. But back to that being said, it's like the cool thing about herbs versus getting an acupuncture treatment you can actually do a telemedicine treatment on Zoom oh. and look at their tongue. Cool. And that in itself can give you a great way to diagnose yeah. a, for an herb, for an herb um, formula. 
and a progress report to see if the herb is working and if you need exactly. to adjust the dose. Like that's really cool. The accessibility is amazing. Do you versus do you do those? Yeah, I totally can. So, okay, so anyone listening, regardless of where they live, well, technically, yeah. does it have to be in California legally? No, no. Amazing. No, so, I'm a national acupuncture. I'm like nationally certified acupuncture herbalist. Beautiful. So, so anyone listening, our American constituents, <laughs> you can do a telehealth uh, appointment with Sarah, and I'll give some information at the end of the episode if that's something you're interested in getting a diagnosis, getting into herbs. This is something that has helped me with a lot of things. And you know, I wouldn't hype this up if I didn't believe it. So cool. Yeah, I love that. Okay. So we've talked a lot about like the mainstream components, the basics. Are there some, and I feel like we already answered this. I was going to ask if there are some common herbs for common ailments, sort of like the TCM version of like ibuprofen or something like that. Is that something that like anyone can take or do we keep coming back to like, it depends on the person? (laughs) Uh, no, well, I mean, like, remember I was talking about turmeric. So, oh, right, okay, turmeric cool. is basically it's also an Ayurvedic herb, but that's one you can take, and it's actually utilized a lot, and that's in the um, for pain and inflammation. It's yep. actually in the category of invigorate blood, so that's one you can use. And then um, for pain and inflammation too, I was talking about licorice root. Licorice uh. root is actually in the tonify chi category, so we didn't necessarily talk about that when it comes to herbology, but each herb has a category it's in. So there's going to be, like I talked about ginger, it's in the release exterior. We have licorice, which is the tonify chi. Then we have the turmeric, which is invigorate blood. And then, um, so back to the licorice root, it's in the tonify chi category. Okay. It's also, it has like, sometimes some of these herbs have kind of these idiosyncratic type of um, qualities to them. It actually helps with spasms. Interesting. Yes. And what's cool is licorice root is back to one of those that can be a tea that's easy to find. Right. But I will say this, licorice root, you need to be mindful as well as aware that if you have high blood pressure, you shouldn't be taking it. It's contraindicated. Yes. You okay. need to watch that because it can it can have something to do with um, raising the, well, it's a tonified chi. So yeah. most, if you're tonifying chi, you're usually like lifting. Right? And remember what I said at the medicine horse about the licorice, how it brings the energy up to the throat and the head okay. and the neck. Yep. So that would explain why blood pressure. So because when we're dealing with high blood pressure, there's too much yang chi coming up. So if you have a pre-existing condition or something that would be of general concern, this kind of advice, first of all, none of this is medical advice, but this would not be for you. If you don't have any kind of pre-existing condition, yeah, right, exactly. like, you're probably good. But if you do, please, 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 please talk to a medical professional <laughs> an herbalist beforehand. Exactly. Very good advice. Um, I want to tell you something really cool, though. So yeah. when I was in China— um, you know, I, I studied with, at a hospital in Shaman University, and it was so freaking phenomenal because I I was able to witness the combination of Western and, and Eastern together. Wow. And there was this whole ward, which is for diabetes, and they were actually IV licorice root. Whoa. So I was able to see how the Chinese herbs were being administered and yeah. not just a decoction or a tincture, but yeah. actually in IV form. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. So what was, was the cool. what was the result? I was only there like a month. Oh. You know, but, <laughs> but I was more like shocking because, you know, as a as an EMT and working in an yeah, ER. Was that like, was your field. Yeah. I was like, whoa, there's freaking licorice root in with the soap. In the banana <laughs> bag. Like, <Exactly>. yeah. <laughs> um, it was just exciting to see. Um, so anyway, that's something kind of special about the licorice root, especially in high doses. It can really wow. treat diabetic conditions. Um, Does that come down to like insulin resistance? Possibly. Like okay. as it was like... It was China. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't read the person's chart or yeah. anything like that. But they're they're using like 
high, high doses. So it explains a lot. First, we need to understand, you know, the studies that are done in the United States versus the studies that are done in in China are going to be completely different. And China has so many years of experience. In this field. Right. So they're (laughs) going to— Thousands of years. (laughs) 3,000. Yeah. And this, like, the herbology was founded in, like, 200 B.C. or something ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, it's just just kind of like a side note. It was, that was really so cool. So rad to see. And it's funny that you bring up like the point about studies. And I've heard from multiple American doctors that it's sometimes frustrating that the medical community here only looks at American studies when it comes to like efficacy or proving anything. And they're like, there are so many studies on so many different things from different countries that have, you know, wonderful medical fields, science fields. Yeah. And for some reason, we like only think it's legit if it's an American study. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, well, we can go down. We can talk about this in a whole other episode. (laughs) Because, hey, who did that study? Who funded that study? I mean, you know, I don't want... Yeah, this is like a... Sorry, I like opened up (laughs) Pandora's box. (laughs) Totally. I mean, I've been kind of fighting this my entire career. You know, the good news is, you know, since now it's coming more mainstream and Mm -hmm. actually a lot of physicians are accepting acupuncture and, yep. and also supporting Insurance it. plans are right, taking exactly, it. So exactly. amazing. Right. I know. I, I also, not to keep going down the same rabbit hole, but I got kind of concerned when I saw that insurance was covering acupuncture. I was like, oh no, can they profit off of it? What are they doing? Yeah, they're profiting off of it by not paying acupuncturists what they're worth. Fair. Yeah, that makes um, sense. <laughs> it depends on the insurance company. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the, in the plan, I've, you know, I've definitely had some insurance cases that paid really well. But now there's, like, um, a conglomerate, like, I think it's at—I don't know if I should be talking about this, but there's, like, this may—there's <laughs> a there's one that's kind of—what is it called? Um, dictating what people oh, are getting paid yeah. and how much acupuncture treatment is. I mean, that's what insurance does. I know. I hate it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I promised I wouldn't go down the rabbit hole, and here we are. <laughs> no. Look, I have a good friend who's actually a neurosurgeon resident, and he— you know, it's funny. He was basically talking to me about how he's so disappointed in the medical system. And I was like, you know, since I was doing that in my 20s and I'm going, yeah, I remember the ER doc telling me how disappointed he was. And this was in 1990. Wow. In the 90s. I don't yeah. want to date myself, but it's gotten worse. Yeah. I hear this all. I hear frustration from doctors all the time. I remember being in an ER a few years ago and just this exasperated man was like, I can't even take time to treat my patients because all I do is this paperwork and it's all like clerical stuff and I can't even do my job. And the insurance people are telling me what I can and can't do. Like they're determining how I treat patients. So I think people are realizing that more and more. And this is not to like shit on the healthcare system, even though like it kind of is. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's like the ongoing topic right now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It just, I think that's why more and more people are embracing this used to be called like alternative wellness. Now I think it's just wellness because it is being embraced more and more in our, you know, Americanized culture. But I think the more people coming to this, the better, even if they're coming from, you know, different angles, different perspectives. And the more we can educate and give that context so people understand like what the treatment is, the better off we yeah. will be. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like honored to be part of this medicine and and treat, and the fact too that I do have a Western medicine background as well. I mean, yeah, and I'm not anti-Western at exactly. all. Exactly, that's what I'm trying to say. Like at all, this is not anti-Western medicine. We we love at that. all. <laughs> I just think we need to get rid of the third-party payer system. That's yes, that's the issue. So bad. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's a whole other subject. Yeah. But um, 
So let's go back to herbs and yeah. what they do. <laughs> yeah, please. Talking about anxiety and stress herbs. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a great place to start right now. <laughs> so I um, believe it or not, freshwater pearl, you can get pearl powder. Is that Hoshu, Hoshu Wu? No, it's okay. actually marguerite. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> and um, pearl powder is actually something that you use it to for fevers in children. Yeah. But it also settles the heart and calms the spirit. Cool. And it's great for the skin. Okay. And you can actually take it internally. So I do want to piggyback. So I was saying that herbs are actually better taken, you know, in a formula and things. But there are some herbs that are like food, right. as I shared, when it's kind of more of a food category. Right. You can kind of take them alone. Cool. And you'll have good effects. So I just want to make sure so, of that because that's kind of like the licorice root. They make licorice root tea. And it's like on its own. And another little thing about the licorice root, if you are trying to quit smoking, they mm-hmm. suggest chewing a piece of licorice root. Okay. And it helps with the trying to quit smoking. Does that count for vaping too? I have someone who's trying to— Try it. Okay. Yeah. Try I'm gonna, it. I'm going to recommend it's, that. Yeah. Um, and then some another one for um, anxiety and stress is schizandra fruit. I know we've, that's a pretty yeah. popular herb. It's considered an adaptogen. I didn't know how to say that word. <laughs> schizandra? It's like Cassandra, but like schizandra. It sounds like some kind of psychosandra. Like yeah. A, she needs the herb. Yeah. Because it does calm the spirit. That is literally, I think it's in one of my like French herbs. And I was like, how the hell do you say this? <laughs> <laughs> OMG, all you herbalists out there that are in TCM school, think of the crazy Cassandra lady because <laughs> it's basically it's an herb. But it's Well, it's it's weird because it's in the stabilize and bind category. Okay. Which— I want to stabilize my mind. Let's do it. It's true because it helps with fluids. Okay. And it also—but it quiets the heart and spirit, so it has a very calming effect. Okay. It's called the five-flavor seed. It's considered an adaptogen. Okay. And adaptogen just means—we've been—shoot— ta- this whole adaptogen word, it's like so like yeah. hot topic and it's so new. Heck it's not no, new. I've been ta- we've been talking about adaptogen since I started school. <laughs> the you know? dawn of time. <laughs> <laughs> right. It just means your body will adapt, you know, to whatever stresses it needs. Now, that being said, sometimes it may adapt and you might get too much chi from it. Right. So just keep that in mind. So then when you're hyped. <laughs> yeah, it just depends. Um but that's another herb that's good for anxiety and stress. And, and then, schizandra is a fruit. So would that yeah. be in like the food? That, did you just say that? The food category? It's a food category, yeah. Well, it's in the stabilize and bind category. But back to the herbs right. that we can take more on a regular basis that are safe to take as a single herb right. are going to be herbs that are considered a food. So, yes, it's a berry. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then, sorry, just to circle back because yeah. I'm thinking pearl. That's like pearl from like an oyster. Yes, but they're freshwater pearls. So that's like a mineral. That's but right. We're, but we're categorizing it as an herb. It is an herb. Okay. But it is a mineral. Okay. So they, they're crossed over. Like there's a bunch of minerals in here, like oyster shell we use. We know oyster shell, calcium we use. Oh. So what's cool about the pearl is it's a mineral and you can actually use pearl. So everybody out there, you can take it internally, but you can also use it as a facial mask. On your face. Yeah, because you know what it does? It brightens and tightens the skin. So it's oh. really good for like skin spots and if you have any discoloration. And don't forget, it clears heat. Okay. And if you mix it up with a little egg white, put a little pearl powder in there, smack it on your face. You got egg on your face, girl. But you know what? You're going to look, your skin will look brighter and tighter. And then when you pull it off, it acts as an exfoliant. Okay. So it's... It's kitchen table wisdom here. We've got the pearl that you can take internally and it's safe. 
and then you can actually apply it to your face to look beautiful. So you have the internal looking beautiful as well as the outside. Pearly girly. I love it. Oh, that's a good little term. <laughs> so let's go back to, then you were asking, are there herbs for sleep, like common herbs? Um, yes. That would be jujube seed. It's called Zisiphus. Oh, so yeah, cool. it's jujube. Jujube is usually a date, but this is the actual seed. It nourishes the heart. It augments the liver blood and it quiets the spirit. It's a very common herb that is in a lot of sleep formulas and it's a seed. Okay. So would you, you consider a seed a food? Yeah. Exactly. Because we eat seeds. Exactly. Okay. So that's kind of one way to kind so of pay attention. Jujube when jujube seed? Yeah. Sour, sour jujube seed. So that's one way when you're looking at herbs, teas, food, does it cross over in the food category? That's going to be one of those herbs that you can take safely okay. as an addition to your your smoothies or sometimes too, they'll, they can actually concentrate it as well in a tincture or a pill form. Okay. But if you can get it in its real form, in the food form, way better assimilation, way better, di- it's going to digest better. It's also going to be better for your health because you're getting the proper nutrition from an actual food. Amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love that. And I love that these ones are kind of like safe regardless. I keep coming back to the idea that like, you know, if you are able to please meet with an herbalist because one problem can have different roots. And that's one of the beautiful parts of TCM is that it's not just treating a symptom. It's looking for a root cause. So you could have two patients come to you with the same problem. I have digestive problems, right? And they're both presenting with like, uh, I don't know, this is gross, but we're talking about medicine, diarrhea. They both have diarrhea, but they have it for completely different reasons. So they would need different herbal formulas, correct? That is exactly right. Okay. Because you can have loose stools and diarrhea from spleen sheet deficiency with cold damp, or maybe you have some damp heat in your intestine because you got like food poisoning. Right. So completely different route, which would require a completely different treatment plan. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean... Treat it like the medicine that it is. <laughs> Go see a doctor. Like, <laughs> yeah, an herbalist, yeah. Chinese doctor. Yeah. Or, or even like a Western herbalist. I mean, um, they, they cross over. It's just I'm, I'm a Chinese herbalist, so I, yep. that's my strong That's your suit. territory. Um, and then we were talking about herbs for like an upset stomach. We talked yeah. about the ginger earlier. Okay. And as we shared, it's in the warm, warming release exterior and this actually warms the middle and it supports the immune system. So I always suggest too, okay, this is something that you buy at the grocery store. Right. Cook with it as much as you can because yeah. it's going to cultivate that digestive energetic, which is warming because you want your digestion to be like a stew pot. Mm-hmm. The more times we eat cold, raw foods, it actually damages the spleen and then it creates bloating and gas. So if there's some things you can do in a food base, which right. is actually an herb, you're going to be supporting your own digestive system. Health, yeah. yeah, health. So exactly. this is where diet comes in to work synergistically with the herbs. Right. And this is also why you tell me to stop eating salads. <laughs> it's such a bummer. I love it, salad. Well, <laughs> you can have salad, but like you have to understand, like, did you have a smoothie that morning and then uh, a yogurt later and then you had a cold sandwich and mm-hmm. then you had a salad? It's like four cold, cold things. Yeah. And your stomach and spleen is, a, it likes digestive fire. So it's mm-hmm. like, and it likes to be like a stew pot. So you're putting all this cold in there and then it makes you contract. Right. And then what it does is it taxes your digestion even more. And then that over time, it can actually pull energy from the kidney, which then makes you even more tired. So okay. 
it's all about balance. And what I suggest, that's why I'm like, if you can combine ginger in your diet by cooking with it or right. ginger tea or whatever, this will prevent you to have that kind of cold imbalance. Yeah. And guess what? You can eat more salads. Nice. Like, could I put some ginger dressing or like ginger That'll slices help. in the salad too? <laughs> For sure. So I'm like also with juices. Like yeah. Juices smoothies. can be really cold. Yeah. I always get extra ginger. Yeah. I actually love ginger in smoothie and juice. So that, that works for me. <laughs> um, and I wanted to bring up too. So um, did you know walnuts are actually in the tonify young category? So yeah. So I've wal- been eating handfuls of walnuts. <laughs> They're really good for your lung and your kidneys. And so Beautiful. that's what I suggest when you're eating salads is you okay. want to throw in some walnuts because then you're going to create that warming effect. Right. Yeah. The synergistic, that way, if you're going to... It gonna, adds balance. Right, exactly. So yeah. if you're going to have a salad, at least put some walnuts in there. You can kind of do a self-treatment to prevent the cold. Um, plus, you're also tonifying your kidneys and your lungs. And if you have you ever looked at a walnut, what does it look like? A brain. A brain. It also looks like a lung. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looks like two I think lungs, it was right? Brains. Yeah. I love that, though. Yeah. I love that. It looks like a brain. Yeah. Um. And then, but I do want to bring up mint because mint oh. is also an amazing herb. It's in that release exterior category. So what does that mean, release exterior? Release yeah. exterior is usually mean when you have a pathogen that's on your surface, which creates upper respiratory issues, you know, like a cold or a flu. So as an herbalist, what we want to do is release the exterior because we want to induce sweat so we can push out the pathogen uh, that's kind of hanging around on your, like in your chi level. superficial. Right, and that's okay. usually where it'll attack. Cool. And that's why when you do get sick, like a cold or a flu, you get like kind of achy yeah. and your neck is tight. It's because the pathogen is basically hanging out on your superficial layers of your body. Okay. So we're going to release it by releasing the exterior. And so there's warming and then there's cooling. So mint is one of those. Okay. And mint we also use in... Um, mint is cooling, you Mint is cooling. Okay. That's right. Exactly. Yes. And mint is actually releasing the exterior, but it has a crossover in so many ways. You okay. can take mint to actually settle your stomach. Yeah. And this is because it actually affects the liver. Okay. And a lot of times when you're having, remember we were talking about how different stomach aches can Come create from different, different things. Yeah. yeah. So we can use the loose stool diarrhea situation. You may have a liver that may be overacting on your spleen, which your spleen may be tired or doesn't have as much energy, the liver can attack it and then it creates loose stool or diarrhea. That's kind of like an IBS situation. Yep. One case, you know, one um, pattern. And so what we can do is mint can actually settle your stomach because the liver may be attacking the spleen. The liver also has a cooling effect. Um, not the liver, the mint. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah, the, mint yeah. the mint has a cooling effect. And guess what? Yes, your liver tends to get hot. It's a big, red, hot, bloody sponge. (laughs) Red hot liver peppers. (laughs) So it likes to be cool. Okay. And so that's how the mint can actually affect the liver. But what's interesting about mint is it has one of those idiosyncratic things, kind of like the licorice root. It actually can irritate and paralyze your esophageal sphincter. Oh, cool. So (laughs) it's actually worse for GERD. Oh. So people are maybe drinking mint thinking, oh. To settle their stomach. And they're having indigestion. Acid reflux, yeah. But they're actually could be aggravating. With the mint. Right. And that also means so anybody who is struggling with GERD or any kind of acid regurgitation, you don't even want to use mint toothpaste. Wow. That's really good to know. Yeah. I learned that when I took this really cool herb course up. And it was actually more of a Western herb course up in Esalen. And he was so cute. He comes out. He's like, what do you think is the most misunderstood herb? 
and he pulls out the mint. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was like this big dramatic thing. And I'm like, wow, I never knew that. And when yeah. I was like at least maybe 12 years in my practice, and mm-hmm. and that was really fascinating yeah. to know that the herb can, has so many, like a blanket effect in so many ways, but then it has this weird— It betrays you if you have GERD. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Is um, mint something that you use a lot with your patients with IBS? Depends on the condition. Okay, yeah. I keep asking these like very general questions, hoping that there's an easy answer. (laughs) Yeah. In general, mint is actually a herb that can bring your core body temperature down one degree. So if you're dealing with a lot of heat. Fever. Yeah. Like when I was at Burning Man, I always freaking put herb, mint tea out in the sun, drink it all day because it'll help keep you cool as well as help kind of with that liver chi. That's awesome. But yeah, I suggest if you're dealing with any kind of hot flashes, any heat in your body or some irritation, you can drink mint as long as you don't have GERD. Cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> I feel like we just covered so much. This was like the most perfect herbology primer for anyone listening, like absolutely fabulous 101. Thank you for this crash course. Is there anything else you want to tell the listeners about herbology before we sign off? Um, we didn't <laughs> <Nah>. talk. <laughs> well, I wanted to bring up how special reishi mushroom is. And oh, it yeah, is considered please. like in one of the most ancient herbs. It was like one of the first herbs found. Cool. And reishi has such a magical effect. So what's really cool is it actually can... It, the studies have shown that it helps with anti-cancer and, and I think it's a T cells. Wow. I, I, I need to like make sure that's proper. I'm going to look it up real quick. <laughs> um, but what's so beautiful about the reishi mushroom is it's in one of those higher class of medicines that we talked about. The And yeah. so it treats the like spirit. spirit as well as it helps with your intuition. And guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, it's a mushroom, so it's a food. Yep. Which means you can eat it as much as you want. More potent, too. Disclaimer, though, I will say this. Some mushrooms can create um, inflammatory skin condition. Uh, So if you're taking it a lot and all of a sudden you get a rash, then maybe you're high-dosing it. Scale back a little bit. Microdose those reishi mushrooms. Yes, we um, do like to microdose mushrooms. We um, <laughs> I just looked it up and it says that reishi promotes the development of B and T lymphocytes, your B and T cells. Thank you for that. Yeah. I knew I was on the same. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, and there are a lot of studies, um, immune mo- modulation from five major mushrooms, T cell mediated immunity. Um, there's a lot of stuff on PubMed if you're curious um, about reishi. Yes. So that's one thing I definitely wanted to bring up. Um, anything else? Yeah. I offer um, telemedicine consultations, definitely for herbology. I'm also a face reader too, so we can combine the two. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, we're gonna have to do a whole extra face reading episode. I'd love that. Ready, please. That'll be the next one. Um, Sarah, you are a gift to us. Thank you for being our our concierge doctor, really. (laughs) I love to be the Chinese medicine doctor herbalist. (laughs) Thank you. And we will see you here for our next TCM episode. All right. Thank you. Okay, let's do a quick This Is Mine segment before we sign off. First up, if you loved what you heard and you want to work with Sarah, 
This is Fine Listeners. Get $20 off an herbal medicine teledoc consultation. You can use the code THISISFINE or just let Sarah know you heard this episode. I will link to all of this in the description. And if you're in San Diego, you can also go see her in person in La Jolla. So go on and get yourself a little herbal treatment and start your TCM journey. Second, I wrote an article about this, but Comfort Zone's Sublime Skin Serum is one of the best facial skincare products I have ever used in my life. And it gave me the most visible, plumping, smoothing, firming effect to my skin that I have ever seen. My mom not ironically asked if I got injections, so that was crazy. (laughs) I will also link to this in the episode description because you've got to check it out. Plus, Comfort Zone as a brand is the most sustainable, planet-oriented, people-oriented, all-around immaculate beauty business. I just went to their headquarters in Parma, Italy in March, and I am truly so blown away by all that they are doing. There are 99% natural origin ingredients in the serum. They grow a lot of these in their organic regenerative farm in Italy. They've got plastic neutral refillable packaging, so that's sustainable as well. And they're a certified B Corp. So I know this probably sounds like an ad. It's not. They are only paying me in skincare. (laughs) They're not paying me, you guys. But you know I wouldn't hype this up unless it was super worth it. So there's that. You know you can trust me. Last little thing I'll leave you with. I have been practicing trusting myself and my intuition a little bit more, and I wanted to share a mantra with you that has been helping me. Making mistakes is a small price to pay for self-trust. The way I experience that is the ramifications of a mistake might sting a little bit, but the gift of trusting yourself is so, so much greater and so much more powerful. This is a really challenging lesson to integrate, for me at least, but I wanted to share in case that resonates with anyone listening. We're on this journey together. Okay, it's time to say adieu for the day. I adore you, my loves. Have a beautiful day, week, life. I will see you here on the platform of choice next Wednesday. Avienzo. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of This Is Fine. I've been your host, Dominique Michelle Astorino. We're based in San Diego, recording in studio at DLI Productions in Pacific Beach with Emmy Award-winning sound designer Dan De La Isla. This is a comedy and advice podcast, but for legal reasons, this entire podcast is a joke and none of it is medical advice. To download the transcript or learn more, visit thisisfinepodcast.com. <laughs>